Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. In your name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. And good evening. We'll try that again. Do you want the lectern or not? No, that's fine, thanks. Thank you, Matt. And good evening. That's better. Thank you very much. So I'm really glad that you prayed that, um, you know, I'd be sensitive to the moment because I've changed my mind of what I was going to say. And... Uh, I thought, just sitting here tonight, and Pete leading worship, the songs that you sang, and what have you, actually, I think, yeah, as I was, uh, as I came in at the back there, and been here, I think, do you know, it's right that we do something different. So we're gonna do something different, which doesn't mean anything to you, because you ain't got a clue what I was gonna do in the first place. But I'm just informing you. Okay, so it's great to be with you, Marion and I. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask Marion to say a few things as well, because we do a lot of speaking together. And uh, seeing as we're, we're changing our, our plan on what we do, I'm going to ask Marion to share a little bit. We always reckon that's good, because if people get bored with uh, one voice, they'll always like the other one, and vice versa. So somewhere down the line, you know, we'll score a few points. So, thanks Pete for leading. Matt, thank you so much for your welcome and everything else. And it's really, really good to be with you. Let me tell you something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's something. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Probably one of the best known parts of the Bible, Psalm 23. You probably know it, probably read it a lot. Marion and I really lived in it for a year, particularly when the pressures were on. And uh, we're talking tonight about pressures and being, you know, times of difficulty. Uh, we've, we're living, we're facing about three major pressures at this moment in our lives. So I talk tonight and we talk tonight from a point of, of believing what we're talking about. And we, we did, we lived in this psalm for a year when other pressures were really, really hitting us. And you know what I love about this psalm? It's written by somebody who's saying that God is a shepherd, that he is fantastic. But it's got reality in it because it's not just a triumphalistic 
piece of scripture. It's not just that isn't God good, it's wonderful loving kindness. It hits reality, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or deep or the valley of deep darkness. This guy has been there. This is absolutely where you and I often live. I remember when I was um, a lot younger than I am today, that um, it was a day and age when we used to have missionaries coming and they gave their testimony about how they were called to the mission field. And um, I remember this one particular couple coming and they worked with the Wycliffe Bible translators, which actually speaks for itself, people who translated the Bible from one language into another. And when I heard them, they were talking about how they had to translate the Bible for the language of this remote South, um, uh, South American tribe, um, it, or rather the language of the Bible into this language of the remote South American tribe. And they just said, this is enormously, enormously difficult because the language is so different. And they said, for example, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. These people have never seen a sheep in their lives. All they know is goats. So it's the Lord is my goat herd. Because, you know, you've got to try and make it fit the language. I shall not want. Well, in that language, you could never end the, sub, the, the sentence on a verb. And if you did, the verb had to relate to the subject at the beginning of the sentence. So the obvious thing is the Lord is my goat herd, I do not want him. And then, then he leads me beside still waters. Have you ever tried leading a goat? Because if it doesn't wanna go, you drag it. You drag it. And then he makes me, and then he makes me lie down in green pastures. If a goat doesn't wanna lie down, you push it down. And of course, they didn't know green pastures. They, they just knew fields. And they didn't really have quiet waters. What they did have were dry wadis. Very, very dry, sometimes a trickle of water. So they said to translate this psalm so that it actually fits the language. The Lord is my goat herd. I do not want him. Because he pushes me down in the fields and drags me along by the dry wadis. I mean, isn't that good news? That is lousy news. This is not what the psalm is like. It's about a shepherd, a shepherd who loves us, a shepherd who does the right things by us. Actually, I would love to spend one, one preach time on each of the first of the five words. And if you put the emphasis on each, and just think for a moment, the Lord is my shepherd. 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 So, we haven't got time to do all that <clears throat> on me, but I would like to put the emphasis on two words and we'll just look at the bit of the rest of the psalm. I'd like to put the emphasis on the word shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and ask you a very honest question. Are you living in the goodness of the shepherd nature of God? 
Or are you living with God being more like a taskmaster or God being more like a school teacher or God being like a scolding parent or God being someone who's peeping round the corner waiting to catch you out if you do something wrong and most of you here look so spiritual. Well, some of you do anyway. But you look around and you think, all these people are bound to be living with the goodness of God as a shepherd. But I know how many times we revert to the fact that if we don't please God, stuff is not going to go well. That we revert to the fact that God is actually watching our every move and he's waiting to rip us off if we haven't done the right thing. He's actually, he's actually waiting to test us, to catch us out, to see whether we love him. Have you lost? Are you living with that relationship with the living God? Or are you living with the shepherd relationship? And the shepherd loves the sheep, you know that. The shepherd, it tells us in John chapter 10, calls his own sheep by name. The shepherd is prepared to lay down his life for the sheep. That's how much he loves them. So I ask you again, are you living in the joy and the good of God's shepherd relationship? Or are you living a little bit in the sense that God is just watching you all the time? There's a great book by, a, um, he, was a, he was a Roman Catholic leader called Basil Hume, Cardinal Hume. He was such a godly man. And he wrote a little book called Basil in Blunderland. <laughs> here's, this, here's this high and mighty Roman Catholic guy. And he writes this book. And he writes the book from the point of view that he had nephews and nieces. And they lived in this very big house. And um, he used to play hide and seek with them. And one day, and over the next week or the next few weeks, what he found was that as he played hide-and-seek, every room that he hid in, God spoke to him. And it reminded him of things associated with that room. And I'll never forget in this book, he talks about being in the kitchen. So he went into the kitchen to hide from the kids. And he went into the pantry, you know, where the food was kept. And as he sat in there, as he sat in there, he remembered how when he was a lad, he used to go into the pantry and nick a bit of food. You know, I mean, you've been there, haven't you? I've been there. He used to nick, particularly when scones had been made, he'd go and nick the scones. And he always remembered how his parents used to say, be careful, son, God is watching you. And as he sat in the pantry, he thought, God is watching me. And then he thought, no, no, you know what God is saying? God is saying, I'm watching you because I can't take my eyes off you. That's lovely, isn't it? I'm watching you because I can't take my eyes off you. That's the shepherd. That's not the schoolmaster. That is the shepherd. The other thing I'd like to put the emphasis on is Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, every single one of us needs shepherding. 
every the strongest, most muscular, most masculine bloke, the strongest, the most able, the most beautiful woman. Every single person is shepherded by someone or something. And what I want to ask you is, is it God who is shepherding you? And I guess everybody here may say yes, but just, just hold on before you rush to say yes. Who is shepherding you at the moment? See, we might all say God is shepherding me, but hang on a sec, at the moment I've got a relation, relationship that's shepherding me. It's a relationship that's motivating me, comforting me, being around me. That's the main, oh yes, God is, God is, but, but actually, if I'm honest, it's the relationship. Or it could be drink. Drink is shepherding me. Or money is shepherding me. Or my career is shepherding me. Or, or many of my friends are shepherding me. Be honest. Is it the relationship with the Lord? Is the Lord shepherding you? Or are you being led by something else? And this psalm holds good Remember what the psalm said, if you can remember as we went through, the good things that happen are actually contingent upon our understanding that the Lord is our shepherd. And it's nothing else. Now, come on, don't kid me. Don't you kid me that every day, every moment, all your life, it's God that's shepherding you. I mean, I tell you what, if so, come and see me afterwards, please. Because it doesn't happen for me all the time. I, I just know. I know. I can stand here. I'm a church leader, been a church leader for years. Done all sorts of things. But I know. I know in my life when something else is taking my hand and guiding me. I know when something else, pardon me, Matt, something else just, just touches my shoulder, just moves me slightly. I feel the touch of something else. And actually, it's not God's touch, but at that moment, it's very comfortable. It's very nice, makes me feel good, brings me pleasure. And actually, just begins to move me. And no longer, God's, I know God's hand is still on me, but at that moment, it's not he that is directing me. Marion, come and, come and share a bit on the next bit, would you? This, this is where you can get, you can hear another voice now, and a much nicer voice. Oh, you all look very nice, actually. They do, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that. Well, this was unexpected, sudden change. But you know what? This psalm is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And Rob just said, I think it's Psalm 23 tonight. I said, okay. Because for me, you know, Rob said we lived in it for a year. Well, I lived in it for a year because I virtually got to a point of almost breakdown, burnout, many years ago. And we had this centre, which some of your young people are at, or have been all weekend, haven't they? The Pioneer Centre. That was our vision. And we moved on site and we saw a fantastic work with Youth for Christ and young people. But with our own family as well, I got to a point where I just felt I couldn't go on. And I couldn't get out of it either. I was kind of stuck. But you know, for a year, I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't pray, I just struggled all the time. But you know what? I knew this psalm and I lived in it and it was the one thing that kept me going. And so it's very special to us, isn't it?
But you know, this, the, the second verse says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And it's that word, he makes me. It's not like the goats being pushed down, but it actually does say he makes me. And um, one little illustration. We had a puppy years ago. It was a golden retriever puppy. And uh, we'd had a dog, an older dog, that was given us, so it was already trained. But this one wasn't, and I'd never trained a dog in my life. And I had no idea what to do, so I thought I'd better take it to dog training classes. So the dog, Elsa, her name was, she was very frightened of the car. So I had to somehow get her in the car and get her to where this dog training class was. By the time I'd managed to get her in and everything, we were late. So when I got out, all the other dogs were walking around the park looking like they didn't need training, you know? They all looked fine. And so I got Elsa out the car, who by then was a nervous wreck. And uh, the woman who was doing the training came up and said, now, you know, we're gonna teach the dogs to lie down today. So I said, yeah, thinking, help, don't know how you do that. And she showed us, first of all, how we get the dog to sit. And then she said, you very gently stroke their heads and just put a bit of pressure so that, you know, it gets them to lie down. Well, I had to lie on top of Elsa <laughs> to get her to lie down, because no way was she going to lie down. And it made me think of this, and it made me think of myself, because I'm like that. It takes an awful lot. God has to yell at me for me to rest because I'm an activist. If you know the story of Martha and Mary, I find Mary gets up my nose sometimes. And if I'm really honest, so does Jesus. Because you know, he said, Mary has chosen the better part. Do you remember that story in the New Testament? Is it John 10 or something like that? John something, yeah. And you know, Martha was busy doing things, and that's me. I find it very difficult to lie down. And it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. One year coming back from spring harvest, if you know spring harvest, I was absolutely exhausted. I'd done three weeks, spoken at the morning uh, communion, managed to get there, but I felt ill. And anyway, I ended up, I did get home, but I'd had to stop en route. And I really wasn't well. And that, the next day, I just thought, I thought I was going to die. I felt terrible. Ended up being blue-lighted into hospital and um, had to have all these tests and everything kept in overnight. And um, anyway, they eventually let me out the next day and they said, you must go and see your doctor. And I remember see seeing the doctor. And we were living in Poynton then because Rob was the minister at Poynton Baptist Church. And I remember this very nice doctor saying to me, Marion you must rest more. And I thought, she shouldn't really be saying that to me. I should really be trying to encourage her. And yet there's her telling me what I needed to do. And it's a big lesson. And it's often a lesson for many of us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Last weekend, because we've been leading a church in... Uh, Revolution Bar in Wilmslow, which is a vodka bar. It's not open when we lead the church, but it's a great place to be. We've been there for six years. And last Sunday, we told the church that we were going to give 
over the leadership at the end of December. And we were handing it on to another couple who were here this morning and it was all very exciting. And we're gonna have a three month sabbatical. Yes. So that's part of the rest, I think, that God ordains. Sometimes we do have to do that. Sometimes we have to know when it's right to just take the pressure off ourselves a bit and have a rest. I have seen too many Christians, particularly Christian leaders, burn out because they felt they should do it. It wasn't God telling them, it was them putting themselves under pressure, driven people. So let me encourage you. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Be encouraged. Yeah, thanks, Marion. Thanks. And just thinking of that, I shall not want bit, because actually it says I shall not be in need or I shall lack nothing. And I think to myself, is that true? I mean, there's loads of stuff I want. I want a white Porsche Carrera. I want a Mayfair penthouse suite for the old weekend away. I want a more muscular body. I want a 120% guaranteed hair restorer. But, you know, I want all these things. But actually, that's not what it means, is it? It means I shall not be in need. But then you say, but I am in need. If that really means I am in need, I am desperate for a relationship. I am a lonely person. I do not have a job. I am desperate for a job. I am desperate. Something that is real in life that we are desperate for. So what happens? God says, or, or David says, I shall not be in need, inspired by God. And I am in need. How do you answer a question like that? How do you answer a question when somebody's just aching and aching and aching for something that isn't selfish but is real? How do you answer that? There's no simple answer. There is no simple answer. And all I can do is to say this. I believe that God gives us what we need to live the life that he's asked us to live. It, it's if we ask for something, God will give us bonuses, but he, asks, he gives to us the stuff to live the life he asks us to live. Now, you might say, I mean, our ex-son-in-law, our daughter is divorced. Um, actually, she and he are, are, are really, honestly, the best of friends. At the moment, he is in the stage four, stage four cancer. They gave him a year to live nine years ago in the Christie Hospital. He's still alive. Absolutely amazing. And I hate saying it here because I, I, just, I just want to have faith for real. But at the moment, he's been told it's come back really aggressively, really, really aggressively. And he's beginning to experience an awful of pain. He's in need. Isn't he in need? The Lord is my shepherd. Do you know, he's a real man of faith. He's saying, I know where I'm going. I love Jesus. He loves me. He's always been with me. He's with me now. And, and the, here's the sense, and I'm not making light of it, but there comes a time sometimes when the most, the most desperate things we need, even they don't get fulfilled. I really believe that God will bring something into our lives that holds us at that moment. We've been there ourselves, not like that, but we've been through these pressures. And what we've found is that God 
brings us something, whether it's peace, whether it's his sense of presence or whatever it is at that moment of need. Because he promises, really, that he will give us the stuff that we need. Let me say a couple of other things, because we're not going to get through or even try and go through this whole psalm. Just let me say two other things. The first one is this. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, the shepherd leads the sheep. The picture of the Middle Eastern shepherd is that these sheep are walking along very narrow paths and sometimes they're paths where the sheep could tip over. And if you know about sheep, if they fall over, they can't get up because they roll on their back and there's no way they can get up. Somebody has to come and write them the, up the right way. So the shepherd leads them in the right paths. I'm not going to lead them on this path because that's going to damage them, that's dangerous. I'm going to lead them on this path. But sheep aren't just woolly-headed, they're mutton-headed. So sheep often will go off the track just because they think, well, blow you, I'm going off the track. And that is their own fault. The shepherd leads them in paths of righteousness. There was a, a story once of a, a farmer, and it's a true story. The, uh, the police had to be called out because then we're going to change from cow, sheep to cows, okay? But bear, bear with the story. The police had to look for a local farmer because motorists were saying there's a whole load of cows on the motorway. Now, they looked around and finally they found the farmer whose cows they were. And of course, the farmer gets into trouble for not making the fields safe. And so they said to, said to the farmer, what on earth has happened? And the farmer said this. He said, I really don't know. It's my fault. They were just nibbling the grass. And all I can say is they nibbled their way to lostness. They just nibbled their way to lostness. How ridiculous. Of course they did. Because he hadn't put the fences up. And how like that it is with us. If we don't walk on the right paths, we can nibble our way to a place of being lost, to a place of sin, to a place outside of God's will, to a place where actually it's very dangerous, no longer is it safe. The shepherd leads us, we go our own way. No, no, no. Let the shepherd lead us in paths of righteousness. Oh, so I think actually Marion will make, make this the last bit, if that's all right with you. Well, it is because I'm the one speaking, you're not. So there we are. We'll have an argument when we get home, okay? Pray for us now. Um, here we go. You notice something in this psalm which is really, really amazing. At the beginning of the psalm, the first half is, The Lord is my shepherd. He, he. Suddenly we get to a part of the psalm which is about you. No longer is it he, it's you. I mean, it's like Matt here. Do you know, Matt's a great leader. He makes people feel welcome, blah, blah, blah. He can say a lot about him. Then I turn to him and say, Matt, you're a great leader. You've got a sensitive spirit. You've got a tender heart. You love people. You're courageous. You're prepared to step out for God. Suddenly, it's very personal. Here's King David. 
Here's the psalmist. He's been talking about you, about he, suddenly. It's you. Why do you think it's suddenly you? I think it's because he's living deep within this experience. And whereas everything else is true, suddenly it's, wow, this is, this, this, this touches me so much. It's all about you. It's all about you. And what is about you? It's even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because he is with me, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, I'm not looking at the valley. I'm not looking at a valley and saying, that's what he does. I'm walking through this valley. And the valley is deep and the valley is dark. And one of the rotten things about valley is that they've got very steep sides and I've tried getting up there, but I can't get out. And not only that, I don't blame the people in the light, but I look jealously at the people in the light walking above, hearing their laughing voices when I'm in tears down here. And I'm thinking, get me out of this valley and get me out quick, but I can't get out of it. And it doesn't say in the psalm, for you will walk me round the valley or you will fly me over the top. What it says is, for you are with me. And the problem with the valley is sometimes it's very, very, very long. And sometimes there's not even a light at the end of it. And you think, how long is this valley going to last? It might be a valley that is the shadow of death. It might be a valley of no job. It might be a valley of a difficult relationship. You mentioned marriages as you were praying. It could be a marriage relationship. It could be anything. If you're in a valley, here's... Here's what I, I really want to pray for you to be able to say, for you are with me. Let me tell you what it, your rod and your staff, they come for me. The Middle Eastern shepherd would carry a rod and a staff, you know, the staff with the crooked top, and he'd carry a rod. And here's the score. They'd be walking through this valley that was like a canyon, just imagine the walls would echo. Sheep love to be able to see the shepherd ahead of them. That's the nature of sheep. And if they can't see the shepherd, they feel they start to panic. But the shepherd, they can't see the shepherd because they're walking in single file through this canyon. So what does the shepherd do? He takes his rod and he bangs on the side of the canyon. And the sound of the bang echoes right the way back, even to the very last sheep. And the sheep are actually feeling peaceful again because they've heard the bang of the shepherd's rod. Does that mean anything to you? It means something to me. Because sometimes I can be in a place where I really can honestly say, where has God gone and then someone will come and put their arm around my shoulder and say something really strong to me it's like bang the shepherd bangs the side of the canyon somebody brings me a scripture bang the shepherd hits the side of the canyon not truisms not trite things but something that really stirs my heart 
and I feel I might be going through anything, but that touch of peace, God is with me. Just allow me to touch on this story as I, as I come to a close. My mother taught me more about God than anybody I know. She was such a godly woman. We watched her fading away in front of our eyes. I remember her saying to me one day, she said, son, I, I've, I never thought I'd hear her say these words, son, I don't know, I really don't know where God has gone. I never thought I'd hear her say that. I really don't know where God has gone. Two weeks later, she died. In between those two times, as we sat by our hospital bed, she said, son, do you remember I told you I don't know where God has gone? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do. That actually shocked me. She said, son, it's all right. It's all right. I know he is with me. I, I didn't feel it then, but, but I know it now. And, and actually, I, can, I, can, I know where I'm going. I thought, even then, even, even in that, this woman who said she didn't know knew because the shepherd somehow banged the side of the canyon. And I know you've heard loads of stories like this, but the night before she died, as we left hospital, she said, where is that wonderful singing coming from? Where's that wonderful singing? Oh, it's a television. No television. Uh, somebody's got a radio on. No radio. There must be a choir outside the ward. No choir. What was it? It was the sound of heaven. She'd heard the sound of heaven. And the shepherd was banging the side of the canyon. Now, that's a strange note to finish on. But after our worship tonight, Pete, and you know, you were centering so much on um, God guiding us and leading us and being in difficulty, etc., and your prayer, Matt, that that's a good place to leave it. But leave it in a place of joy. It's not despair, it's joy that whatever you and I are going through, if we are allowing the Lord to be our shepherd, we will find those words will come absolutely true. And what's it say at the end? I will dwell, for surely love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is bang on good news thanks be to God let's pray let me, let me just pray with you and um, if we could just be quiet for a moment if, if you've lost that shepherd relationship with the Lord could you, could you say Father I want that shepherd relationship back that's the relationship I want to walk in Be honest with God if there's something else that is shepherding you, leading you a little bit. And it's taking a bit of God's hand, as it were, away from guiding you. Would you be honest with him and say, Father, I'm going to give that over to you. I want you, I want you to be my shepherd, you to be my guide. And then I'm just going to pray about the valley thing. But just be quiet and be honest with God.
in fact, could I, um, could I just ask us to stand? And I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. If you're able to stand, could I ask you to stand? I'm doing this for a reason because I'd love it. If, if anybody here is going through that valley, it doesn't have to be a massive great thing. It could be something small. If you're experiencing something at the moment where you need to feel that you'll know that shepherd's rod on the canyon, would you, would you sit down where you are? Just sit down where you are, please. Be, be totally honest about it. You're not failures. You're just being honest. And if I could ask somebody around you just to reach out a hand and put it on the person that's sitting, could everybody have a hand? I'm not going to ask you to do anything. You haven't got to do anything mysterious or magical. It's just, um, it's just the reason for this is because we've, we all go through these times. And if people who are sitting just happen to be going through them at the moment, they're not the failures and we're okay. We've all been there. And so what we're doing is just saying, hey, sister, brother, I don't know what it is, but I understand. I've been there. And... Uh, you and I, well, we've, we know what it's like, both of us. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.